Okay, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and this morning we're starting in verse 10. And let's uh, open a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray that as we read it, and that, and that you will give us through your spirit the understanding um, that we'll be studying about this morning. That you'll help us to open our minds up to and understand your word, that you'll give us that, um, that we can appraise it and, and properly apply it in our own lives. And just pray your blessings now in our time. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, to get our context, we're going to read in chapter 2, starting in verse 6, and reading through the end of the chapter. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood, <laughs> for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord's glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. And God has revealed it to us by his Spirit, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 13. Back up, Marie, you want to read that for us? And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay. So last week we were we covered verses six through nine. And one of the things we saw there was there's a lot more to Christianity than just the basic gospel. Yes, we hear the gospel, we believe it, we're saved, but there's a lot more there that we can learn. Um, a, lot, a lot more for the, the mature Christian to learn. And that's how you become mature. You keep learning uh, what scripture says, you keep applying it in your life, you keep growing. Um, and Paul says, God revealed to him the mystery of the church age. There were these things that had been hidden in the past that just, just reading through the Old Testament, you wouldn't have seen about the conditions now in the church age. You know, the, the Jews were stunned that God actually saved the Gentiles and gave them the Holy Spirit. They did not expect that. They, no, they didn't want it. The Gentiles were dogs. Why should God save them in the first place, even though the Old Testament says, you know, they would be blessed in Abraham. Um, but they didn't understand that. And so Jew and Greek together, Jew and Gentile together, we've been brought into one body. We see that in Ephesians 2. 
we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, made one church in the body of Christ. And uh, I think what, what we see in the Old Testament, there was a lot of promises given to Israel. Some of them were physical promises, like the land. Well, that's still determined for, for God to give to Israel. But there are spiritual blessings. Um, you know, pouring out the Spirit on all people. That's from Joel. It's a promise to Israel. But that's what Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost, because that spiritual blessing was poured out on the church. So we see the spiritual blessings promised to Israel have been given to the church, not the physical blessings. That's still in store for, for the nation of Israel. So that's what we looked at last, <coughs> last week. Um, and this week we're starting in verse 10. So looking at verses 10 and 11, it says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men know the thoughts of man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. So the Greek begins verse 10 with a very small but very important word, us. And it's, in the, it's at the beginning of the sentence, which means it's emphasized. And the whole next few paragraphs de depend on who is he talking about? Who is us? Um, looking at the older commentaries, they link it with the end of verse 9. It says, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And so they would say us means those who love God referring to all believers. And that's what I've heard for many years, and I actually started going through my notes, writing them up that way. Um, but you know, looking at some of the commentaries, they pointed out, well, maybe that's not the case. <laughs> what does us refer to? Um, and, and based on what they said, and looking at the context, us seems to reply to Paul, and to the apostles and the prophets, those who were given the special revelation. And there's a couple reasons for that. First, going back up to verse 7, you know, we speak God's word, wisdom in a mystery, the things hidden, um, the hidden wisdom. So there's the mystery, you know, throughout Paul's writings, he talks about the mystery, things that God has kept hidden in the past, but have now been revealed. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, someone like to read verses 4 and 5. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Okay, so that's describing what, what Paul's going to talk about here. Here's these mysteries in the past. God, through his Spirit, has made them known to us, referring here specifically to Paul, but also to the other apostles and prophets. And the second reason is that pronouns are important not messed up the way our current culture handles pronouns, 
But scripturally, this is one of those details you look at. If you remember back when we went through the book of Acts several years ago, the we and they passages, Luke would be riding along and he says, we went here and then we went there. Luke is traveling with them. And then, then you'd have a break and it would be, they went here and they did this and they did that. Well, Luke was not with them at that time. So he would switch between we and they. And so you could figure out, where's Luke? Well, does it say we or does it say they? Um, and so here we've got the difference between you and us. If you go all through chapter 1 and then in chapter 2, the first five verses, Paul refers to the Corinthians as you. Uh, looking at chapter 2, and when I came, verse 1, when I came to you, um, you know, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Um, verse 2, you. Uh, verse 3, you again. Um, and then verse 5, your faith. So there's a lot of yous and yours. So he's talking to the Corinthians there. He's talking to the Corinthian believers. And then starting in verses 6 and going through 13, it's us and we. There are no more yous there. It's us and we. He's talking about a different subgroup of people. Um, looking at verses 6 and 7, uh, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. And then verse 7, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Well, who's, who's talking? It's obviously Paul and, and maybe those who are his assistants. <clears throat> so that continues, we and us, through verse 13. So um, I think we're looking at not all the believers here as we go through the next few verses. We're looking at the apostles, Paul in particular. Where does he get this wisdom? When we start chapter 3, it's back to, I, brethren, cannot speak to you. He's back to talking to the Corinthians again. It really so. shows, because you, you quote that passage, or to us, and quote it in such a way, as gen, you know, to us Gentiles. But right. it really, that's taking it out of context. Yeah, actually, actually verse 9, I think, is addressed to, the, to all the believers. <coughs> but in verse 10, he's not referring back to that. Paul's talking about himself. Um, and so what he's saying is, you know, God has revealed the mysteries of the church age through him and through the apostles and prophets um, by the Holy Spirit. That could be a really important point because we, we see so many people who almost want to claim that apostolic authority and yeah. make, you know, make hidden mysteries known. Uh -huh. <laughs> cautious about yeah, I mean, if you think you've got special connection with God and you're getting the mysteries, you usually end up starting a cult. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Uh, you know, I'm not an apostle, and I know it. <laughs> I, I listen to others. Uh, like in this case, I got a, about a whole page of notes crossed out because it's like, someone else is smarter than I am here. <laughs> Went back and redid it. So Paul basically goes on here 
and says the Holy Spirit knows all the thoughts and all the depths of God. Um, there are no mysteries to the Holy Spirit. There are mysteries to humans because God hasn't revealed them to us, but not to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is capable of teaching and revealing all these things to man. So that's the source, that's the extent of God's wisdom. The source for us to know God's wisdom is the Holy Spirit. And he is capable of uh, revealing everything to us. He doesn't reveal everything to us. I think there's, I didn't look it up, but in Deuteronomy it talks about the secret things of God that are not revealed. Um, but he, he's the one who reveals them to us. Um, now to us that seems obvious, that the Holy Spirit, you know, one of the three persons of the Trinity, would know what, the, what God is thinking. Uh, and I think to the Corinthians with the um, polytheism that they had, that this might not make sense. Because they had a whole pantheon of gods. And all the gods were individual, separate beings, and they all had their own thoughts. And not one of them knew what everybody else was thinking. And so that's their background there. And so he has to explain to them, no, we have one God with three distinct persons who are not separate. The Holy Spirit knows all the things that God is thinking about. He is the source and can reveal them. Now, he also says, uh, end of verse 11, even so the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. So God through his spirit, is the exclusive source of all knowledge. <coughs> so the spirit knows all things and is the exclusive source of knowledge. So um, you, a philosopher cannot, by his own thinking and his own rationale, determine what God's thinking. I mean, he might luckily hit once in a while <laughs> the truth, um, but he can't be sure of it. So this reinforces this contrast we have you know, in the previous verses between Paul teaching the mysteries of God as revealed to him by the Spirit versus the rulers of this age whose wisdom comes from the world. Got Paul's knowledge comes from the Spirit of God and knows all the things of God. The rulers of this age, their knowledge came from the world. So he's continuing with that distinction here. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. We'll go through a familiar passage. Somebody like to read 33 through 36. All the way through 36. For, he, for, he, for who had known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Okay, so God's wisdom, God's knowledge is beyond is beyond us. It's beyond our capacity to even understand when, when God does explain it to us. Um, 
uh, accept as, as he shares it to us, with us. And he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13 here. And we'll see that again in our, later in our passage. That's where it says, Who has known the mind of the Lord, who became his counselor, who has given to him that it might be paid back to him again. Um, so we see, again, God's thoughts are beyond our comprehension. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 55. This is a passage I like. Does let's, let's, someone like to read verses 8 through 11 for us here? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from the heaven, from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I, which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Okay, so we see, um, you know, God's wisdom is beyond us unless he reveals it to us. And he goes on to say he gives his word. He sends his word out. It accomplishes what he, what he wants it to accomplish. So we have the wisdom and knowledge of God which is beyond us except as God reveals it to us and then it works in our, in our lives and in our hearts. And so that's why the Word of God is so important to us. Uh, if we want to know God, if we want to know what He's doing, we have to study His Word. So back to uh, our verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He gives an analogy in here. He says, um, you know, after talking about how the Spirit knows the thoughts of God, he says, for among men, for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? You don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. You know, that's, a, that's the analogy that he's giving them to help them understand that God alone knows what his thoughts are. And that we'd have no access to them unless God gives them to us and tells us what his thoughts are. And again, human philosophers cannot ferret out God's thoughts. They do not have access. They're only known to those who, to whom God reveals them, such as Paul and the other prophets and the other apostles of the early church. So going on to verse 12. Sounds, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given us by God. So now Paul is clarifying what, what he, what they, the prophets, received from God. He said, not the spirit of the world. Okay, that, that goes back to the wisdom of the world we've been talking about. Um, you know, God did not give us more of human philosophy. We've already seen in chapter 1 that that's empty. It's not going to accomplish anything. Um, back in chapter 1, verses 20 through 21, it said they could not know God uh, through their wisdom. Uh, 21, for in the, 
since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. So it was ineffective, empty. That's not the wisdom um, that the, the apostles were given from God. Let's turn to 1 John uh, chapter 4. So I'd like to read verses 1 through 6 here. Not a longer section. But... Dear friends, <clears throat> do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is, from, is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear, friend, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one, you, who is, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and therefore, and whoever, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is, is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Okay, so we see the same dichotomy that, that John is writing about this, that, that Paul's been telling us. Um, now in John's writing here, he's, he's already begun the letter by talking about Jesus being God. And so now he says, God has come in the flesh, which is what is being denied by uh, Gnostics, that God could actually become flesh. And he's saying if people are saying that, then it's the spirit of the Antichrist. They're wrong. That's how you can tell they're in error. Um, we have that in uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism, both deny the, the deity and the humanity of Christ in one. But as he goes through this, you know, he says, you know, we're from God. The ones who know God listen to us. They hear us. If you're not from God, you don't listen to us. You don't hear us. And then finally, this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Again, the two types of wisdom that Paul is describing back in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, so back to verse 12. So it's not the spirit of the world. However, it is the spirit from God so that we might know. We've received the spirit that is from God that we might know the things freely given by God. So we've already been looking at this. The spirit again knows all things. He will pass the knowledge on to us. God does not want us left in the dark. He wants us to understand these things. So this knowledge consists of all the things freely given to us by God. That's how he ends up. And that takes us back to verse 9. Finally, we tie it back into verse 9. Um, you know, the things which the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, the things in which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So that is now in verse 12, so that we might know the things freely given to us by God. So God wants us to know and understand these things. 
Let's look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16. This is part of the upper room discourse. Some would like to read verses 13 through 15 for us here. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Okay, when the Spirit of Truth comes, that's who we've been talking about here, He will guide you into all the truth. That's our source of truth, is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and Jesus goes on and says, you know, Father has given me all things, I've given them to you. God wants us to know these things. Um, so again, this is how we understand you know, what the church age is. It's a, it was a mystery. Paul says, I've been given special revelation. I understand these things now. Um, and the other thing that we learn through the Spirit is our relationship to God. I don't think Paul's particularly hitting that right here. He's talking more about the mystery. But let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, someone like to read verses 15 and 16. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. Okay, so the Spirit is the one that helps reveal to us our relationship with God. Um, and again, the, the fact that Gentiles are heirs of God and children of God, I don't read that anywhere in the Old Testament. This is part of the mystery of, what, of the blessings that God has given to us. And it's the Spirit that reveals those to us. Okay, back looking at verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. So he's talked about the things he has received in verse 12, 13, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So all these things that's been revealed to Paul and to the other apostles by the Spirit are the things they speak and they teach. And so this whole section is helping to better define what we had back in verses 6 and 7, where he says, you know, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. What is that wisdom? Well, we've been looking at it more, uh, the things that the Holy Spirit has, has given. Um, so we have a better idea of what it is and where it came from and how Paul got to know it. So... Um, so Paul speaks these things as he teaches, and he does not withhold anything. It's not like, well, I've got these special, deep, dark, hidden secrets, and I'm only going to give them to my best friends. No, he, um, 
He speaks it all. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. This is his, I think, the last time he sees the Ephesian elders. As he's heading back to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 20. Would someone like to read verses 18 through 21 and then also 27? 18 through 21. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set a foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Now I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 27. 27 also. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Okay. Everything that the Spirit revealed to Paul, he tried to teach to the church. He did not withhold anything. Um, he was declaring the whole purpose of God. <coughs> now the words again that Paul speaks are not from human wisdom. You know, we've already seen that's bankrupt. Um, we see that again in verse 13. Not in words taught by human wisdom. Um, but uh, in those taught by the Spirit. So again, his words referring to the content of his teaching of those taught by the Spirit. And then we got a phrase at the end of verse 13, which says, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. This is literally, in the Greek, combining spiritual with spiritual. It needs a couple of nouns there. So we have to kind of fill in, what are these two nouns? Thoughts and words are in italics. Right, in New American Standard, thoughts and words. Um, NIV says expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. So it's very similar. Now, there are different ways of interpreting this. There are you know, different versions of the scriptures put different words in here. Um, but I think that the NIV and the New American Standard are, are the ones that best fit the context. Paul's been discussing God's thoughts, correct? Verses 10 and 11. So that makes sense that he's communicating spiritual thoughts or spiritual truths. Now he's talking about which things we speak. We speak with words. So to me in the context it makes sense that you know, we're, we've got these spiritual thoughts that the Holy Spirit's given us. We're teaching them to you in spiritual words. Um, so again, going back to um, earlier in the passage like verses in chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 it says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. So he wasn't using rhetoric to teach. He was using spiritual words. It was contrast. Again, he's speaking spiritual words. <coughs> so now in going on to verse 14. <coughs> 
says, but a man, natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. So he's been describing how godly wisdom is different from human wisdom, where it comes from, where godly wisdom comes from, how it's presented. And now Paul turns to the issue of the recipients, the audience. So we see the, God's thoughts, the Spirit knows them, passes on to the apostles and Paul, and they teach it all with spiritual words. Now we're going to look at the recipients. And this explains also why the rulers of this age did not understand uh, God's wisdom. And we will also see that it kind of leads into chapter 3 where God rebukes the Corinthians. So Paul is going to compare the ability of the natural man to understand spiritual things in this verse to the ability of the spiritual man in verse 15. So we start out with a word translated natural. So looking at the Greek word from, for this is sukikos, which comes from suke, which means breath. We, we have that word coming into our language like psychological, usually thinking of the mental thinking process. Well, the original word means breath, which really means any living, breathing creature. Not so much emphasizing the thought process so much as, you know, we're alive and breathing. Um, when you, there's a very similar word in, the he, in Hebrew, and you go back to Genesis 1, and it's translated creature. You know, all the creatures that God created that are living and breathing and moving around, including Adam. Is how it was used in that sense. Um, it it really just ignores the spiritual side of man. And here he says, you know, it's a natural creature, but a creature, and he specifies man, which is anthropos, anthropology. So, what kind of creature? No, it's not a dog or a cat, it's a man. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. A living, breathing human being. Um, ignoring the spiritual aspect. It says, they just can't understand. Um, he uses these terms, let's, let's go in 1 Corinthians, let's go to chapter 15. We'll see these two words again. Someone like to read verses 44 through 46. It is shown the natural body, it is made the spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. Okay, so here's our, these two same two words we've been looking at. Spiritual body versus natural body. Um, we have bodies that are just living, breathing, like animal bodies, in a way, you know. That's why uh, the atheistic world says we evolved. 
because we have bodies that look like bodies of apes and things. You know, we've got opposing thumbs and stuff like that. You know, so um, that's kind of the way Paul is using this. Um, and again, in that passage, he quotes from Genesis where Adam's created as a living soul uh, as an example of a human being with just a physical body at that, in that case. Christ is resurrected, has a spiritual body. So there's a change there, a body that's designed for spiritual activities rather than just physical. So in our verse, it refers to human beings. They're alive like animals. They don't necessarily have any spiritual inclinations. Same as animals. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 2. Here Peter's talking about false prophets and false teachers. 2 Peter chapter 2, would someone like to read verse 12? But these people blasphemy, blasphemy in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. Okay. Like they're like unreasoning animals, like creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, like cattle, chickens. <laughs> That's how he's comparing the, the false prophets. Uh, they're, they're spiritually dead. They have no spirit. Um, we don't need to turn there, but in Jude, verse 10, it's basically the same thing. It talks about the false teachers being like unreasoning animals. So... When the spiritual message of God's wisdom comes to them, it says they do not accept them. They do not accept the things of the Spirit. They do not receive those things of the Spirit. And actually, they actually reject those things because they don't fit. Um, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 7 says that the sinful, man, the sinful mind is hostile toward God. That's why the world hates Christ. That's why it hates Christians in the church. And that's why they consider it to be foolishness. And we saw that back chapter 1, um, verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolish. So the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. And again in verse 23. Uh, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, stumbling block, and to Gentiles, foolishness. It's just, and we've already talked about how foolish it seems to them. It doesn't make sense. Um, they hear the message. They really don't understand it. Um, because it must be examined. It must be um, discerned spiritually. So this word using here that... Uh, well, it's translated appraised at the end of verse 14 in, in New American Standard. Um, it means to examine something or to judge something. Paul uses it in chapter 4. So let's turn to chapter 4. <clears throat> Someone like to read verses 3 and 4. To me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. 
Okay, so here we have the Lord examining Paul's heart versus, uh, he, he says, you know, I, I, I can try to examine myself, but I, we don't know the depths of our hearts as well as God does uh, and not be examined by any human court. <coughs> so that's kind of what, uh, what he's talking about here is, is uh, you hear the message, the, the natural man hears the message, he doesn't really know how to examine it, how to ask the right questions to try to figure it out. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Someone would like to read verses 25 through 27. Okay, can you guess where our word is here? Translate a little differently. Is it asking questions? Asking questions, yeah. The natural man hears the message. He doesn't even know what questions to ask. He has no concept of spiritual things. Um, I'm going to look at a couple passages that John wrote. Let's go to John chapter 8. This is Christ speaking, I believe. John chapter 8. Someone would like to read verses 42 and 43 and then skip down to 47. 42, 43, and 47. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, and you would, you would love me, for, for I have come here from God, I have not come of my own. God sent me. Why is this? Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, you just don't hear. You can't. And in this sense, it means comprehend. Uh, you're on a different wavelength. You know, it's like we've got an AM radio and we're trying to listen to an FM station. It doesn't work. Um, let's go to First John, chapter four, and verse six. First John four six. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay, John says the same thing. I, I'm trying to teach, talk to people. If you're from God, you can hear me. If you're not from God, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Lack of spiritual receptors. Um, so. so that's the natural man. And we need to close there. And we'll talk about the spiritual man next time in verses 15 and 16. Joe, would you like to close? Sure. You're my closer. Dear Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the lessons we learn out of it. We thank you for the lessons that are brought forward. And for the lessons that uh, Daryl taught and is teaching through as we go through Corinthians, we want to thank you for that. We just want to see how you dealt with the history of the past, but yet it's relevant to us and like that, today. We thank you for the living. It's a living word that speaks to us personally. 
pray that we'll be obedient to the scriptures, that we'll follow what you have for us, that we'll be obedient to the things you want us to do, that we'll see those you want us to see. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for the hour to come. Lord, brings a message. Thank you for, for the way you uh, lead and direct. And pray that we'll follow where you have us going. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen.